We're starting a new series uh, today. It's called Love Stories. You know, the, the Lord put on my heart in, before January, just everyone has a story we'll carry through the year. Uh, Jeannie had a story, and she shared her story. Uh, and we're, we're going to have one, hopefully, every week, and we've had one so far. We're going to have stories of the lives of real people, real people that you know, and what God has done in their life. Today, we're talking about falling in love. And, and it's, kind of a, it's kind of a play on words, because she did fall, and... Um, she thought there was water there. There was no water. I don't think she really cared. She didn't think about that much. But she fell on rocks. And uh, we've always, you know, I just said last week, if, uh, when you've hit rock, bow. no pun intended, Jeannie, but Jesus was the rock at the bottom, even with all the pain. Uh, she's been through surgery after surgery. She was told she would never walk again. Um, how many surgeries? Three. Three surgeries, and in rehab after rehab after rehab all over Texas. And, uh, but in all of that, she fell in love. When you fell, when you gave your life to Jesus, you fell for him. You fell in love with him. So we're going to talk about falling in love today. Um, I had this written down. I thought it was kind of clever. For God so loved Jeannie that he sent my son. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He said, uh, three, they, they figured it out. Three seconds, one way or the other, they would have never seen her. She probably would have bled out. Nobody would have seen her down there. Three seconds, think about that, what three seconds are, can do for somebody's life if, you're, if you have your eyes open. So everything we've seen this morning, we're, talk, we're looking at the physical, but we're going to see these things in a spiritual manner uh, because God has this great love story written for every one of us. It's called the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand B-I-B-L-E. It's the love story written in red. It's a love story written in the blood of Jesus. It's the love story. It's the, the story of compassion. It's the story of restoration. It's the story of hope. It's the story he wrote for you and he wrote for me. So listen, if you ever think the Bible is just, ah, you know, just a bunch of stories, I don't get it. You know, a lot of crazy stuff happened in the Bible. It's a love story for you. You need to look at it sometimes as a love story. And there's a great love story in the Bible, and it's, it's about falling, and it's in Acts chapter 20. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 20. The Lord showed me this, uh, this picture of the church many, many years ago. Actually, I wrote a devotional based upon this story. And it's a story of uh, one young man, his name's Eutychus. And so and it's a story of a man that fell. So uh, when we read this this morning, we're going to read it from the Passion Translation. Uh, I want you to see the spiritual implications, not just the physical implications, but many times the physical and the spiritual go hand in hand. Do you know that? Okay, so one person knows that. Okay, it's going to be one of those days. Acts 20, we're going to start with verse 7. On Sunday, say Sunday. Sunday. What's today? Sunday. Okay. On Sunday, we gathered. Say we gathered. gathered. Did we gather today? Gathered. On Sunday, we gathered to take communion. Say communion. communion. Did we take communion today? Yes. Okay. And Paul's not preaching. I am. Okay. On Sunday, we gathered to take communion and to hear Paul preach. 
because he was planning to leave the very next day, he continued speaking until past midnight. Say past midnight. Past midnight. Are we, are we, we would even think about participating in is somebody's going to preach and they're going to preach from morning till midnight and then they keep going. I mean, is that part of our culture today? It's not. I mean, most churches, listen, in seminary, I've been, I've been told this, but most seminaries teach pastors to keep your sermon to 18 minutes. Somehow they figured out that 18 minutes was the best time that you could keep everybody's attention. Elbow your neighbor right now and say, are you still paying attention? Because this is going to be longer than 18 minutes. I don't even know how you can get a sermon in 18. I know you can. I know you can. But do you understand that most churches, they have a one-hour limit. And we're talking about from the time you get in to the time you're in your car. So the next group that can come in. And they've got this limit. And and I I think it's kind of like this is uh, the culture. This is what we're taught. This is how we reach people. We get an 18-minute sermon. Did you know most churches now, because they, they've relegated their, their services to one hour, they don't have invitations anymore. Did you know that? Yeah. that they just don't. You, at the end of the service, could be a great word. And then the, it's like, you know, just, okay, bye. See you next week. Get the next group in. And I'm just thankful that you guys hang with us. That you stay till the end. And I don't know if you know this, but a lot of times when we, we, when we finish, sometimes it's 11, usually it's 12. And usually when we, we finish at noon, there, there are still people that linger here for like 30 minutes. Because they're just like, man, I just, I'm not ready to go. I'm in his presence. Communion in here, Paul preach. He's going to preach to midnight. The first thing I want you to see this morning is the, the importance, because we're talking about well, I'll, I'll tell you in a second. The first thing I want you to see this morning is the importance of fellowship. Say fellowship. fellowship. COVID tried to do a number on the body of Christ. It tried to separate, destroy, keep people out from fellowshipping one with the other. And if you did fellowship, you had to have a list of rules. And it created division. It created resentment, uh, offense. All these things happened because, well, I'm a masker. I don't believe in the mask. I take the vaccine. I don't take the vaccine. Do y'all remember all that mess? You think the, do you think God was the author of that or Satan was the author of that? I mean, Satan wanted to, decide, to destroy the church. And that was his first shot at it in a long time. Going after the local church, going to the kingdom of God. And I know we had, we had specific things and we obey the laws of the land, but I'm telling you, we have to obey God rather than man. Amen. We have to obey God rather than man. Amen. And we don't walk in fear, we walk in faith. Amen. And we kept, for the most part, we kept our doors open and as soon as they said we could get back together, we got back together. And I think that's why we're still a strong church today because people, a lot of people left and didn't come back. They said that a third of, a lot of churches, that a third of their people have never come back to the church. A third. Can you imagine if you're a body of uh, one of those mega churches of 20, 25, 28, 3,000 people, that 1,000 people quit coming? And that's really what happened. The enemy had a plan, and he had a plan to divide and conquer and destroy. And I'm telling you, the Bible says that we're called to fellowship together. And then we have example after example after example. All these people think, think well, live stream's good enough. I know there's a, there's a time for it. I know there's a time for podcasts. I know there's a time for all these things. But the Bible says we're to come together in the name of Jesus. Before, I, I, I read this past, 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 
passage, Pastor. I read this passage a couple of weeks ago, and I had somebody come up to me and said, man, that passage got me. I'd been hanging out. I'd been quit coming. And when you, they were watching on live stream, they said, we had to get back to church. Let me read it because the, the author of Hebrews can say it better than me. He says this in verse 24, discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them toward acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. Don't you love that? Expressions of love. When we come together, we have an expression of love in this place. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some say some. Some have formed the habit of doing it's a habit. And that's, that's not a church every time that the Lord says the doors are open Sunday morning, go worship. Wednesday night, if you can come and worship together, gather together. This is not the time to pull away or neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage, say encourage, and to urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. It's important. See, I'm preaching to the choir. You're already here. <laughs> but you know people that have dropped out. Remember something? Do something. You know people that they just need an encouragement. Man, we sure didn't miss you. Do you know how many times I've, I've texted somebody and said, man, we sure do miss you. Man, I, I miss being there, and, and they're here. They come. We need to encourage one another. We need to encourage those that have decided, you know, I'm, I'm strong without the church because, listen, the Bible says you're not going to be strong when you're separated from the body of Christ. It's like a, you're, you're, still, you're part of the body, but you're disconnected. Anybody ever have a dislocated shoulder? You're, you're, your body, it's still hanging on your, on your body, but man, it's painful. And it ain't working so good, right? Okay, so fellowship is huge. The second thing, turn, or let's move on to verse 8. There were many, should have had them flicker the lights right when I said that. There were many flick. No, they're not ready. There are many flickering lights. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. And for some reason, they, th they said flickering lights made people go to sleep. So anybody asleep yet, wake them up. There were many flickering lights in the upstairs chamber where we were meeting. You see, I like how Luke is like a reporter here. Y'all notice he's just like, he's watching. He's, okay, we gathered together. We fellowship. We had communion. Paul got to preach. And man, he's preaching a long time. Then the lights started flickering because they had little candles, you know. They were upstairs. They were in the third floor. And it says, sitting in an open window listening was a young man named Eutychus. Say Eutychus. Eutychus. It almost sounds like one of those ferns or something, doesn't it? As Paul's sermon dragged on. Now, that's the on. I, looked, I want to make sure. I want to be fair to Paul because most all the other translations said Paul went on and on and on. <laughs> You know, Paul was like the inventor of the long-running run, long sentence. So as, per, as, as the sermon dragged on, Eutychus became drowsy, fell into a deep slumber, and sound asleep, he fell. Say, he fell. He fell. He fell three stories to his death below. Three stories. Sitting in a window still, trying to pay attention. Paul's preaching, and he, man, the sermon's getting me. Paul's going into a lot of detail. And we don't really know what Paul's preaching, but it's probably a summation of all because he's like, I'm going to be leaving tomorrow. I've got to get as much in. They've got to get as much word in them as they can possibly get. See, they value the word. They said, Paul, keep preaching. We, we got it. We're taking notes. We got to know what we got to know what to do. We got to know how to act. We got to know where to go, not to go. We got we got it. We had a lot of things we've got to learn, Paul. So we're, we're listening. We're listening, Paul. But Eutychus, man, all his lights are flickering. And all of a sudden he just <laughs> boom. 
third. I can imagine the sound that that makes. Third. The thing about it is the name Eutychus means fortunate. <laughs> Ain't no fortunate one. <laughs> he wasn't too fortunate in the fact that he fell and he died, but he was fortunate in the fact that Paul was a preacher that day. Wouldn't you say so? Yeah. It's a good thing Paul was preaching, not somebody else, because Paul knew what to do. So he follows three stories, but I want to look at this, like I said earlier, in spiritual terms. How many of you know somebody that has fallen away from Jesus? Just slip your hand up. You know, it might, be, it might have been you. How many of you have fallen away from Jesus before? Okay, that's being fair. We know people that have fallen away. Maybe we have fallen away. And last week we talked about the prodigal son that fell away, didn't we? Okay. And we also looked at how prodigals can be different. We saw the prodigal that was worldly, and we saw the prodigal that was religious. So how many of you know people that have fallen back into the world? Okay. Going back to the stuff, the vomit, I like to say. We're going back to the vomit. How many know people that have fallen back into religion? That's almost as dangerous. Okay, see, Paul dealt with that all the time. He dealt with more people falling back into religion than he did into the world. And when I say religion, I'm talking about legalism. Look at Galatians. This is Paul talking about what's happened to some of the Christians, some of the church. He says, what has happened to you, foolish Galatians? Who has put you under an evil spell? When he talks about an evil spell, he's talking about religion here. Did God not open your eyes to see the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion? Was he not revealed to you as the crucified one? So answer me this. Did the Holy Spirit come to you as a reward for keeping Jewish laws? No. You, you received him as a gift because you believed in the Messiah. Your new life began when the Holy Spirit gave you a new birth. And why then would you so foolishly turn from living in the Spirit by trying to finish by your own works? See, if you've come out of a religion and then you, you find the grace of God and you find the power of God and then you quit walking and you quit being part of the fellowship, you quit growing, you can take that and twist you and turn you back to the religion that you grew up with probably. And then you know what? You know what comes when you go back to religion? Let me tell you what, tell, what comes when you go back to religion. You all of a sudden begin to feel unworthy. Man, I have messed up. I don't know if God will forgive me. You start the, a doubt and unbelief. Listen, religion and doubt and unbelief go hand in hand. So if you ever decide that oh, I'm not good enough, then you're just saying, and you've already given your life to Jesus, you're saying the blood wasn't enough. You're saying, well, I've, I guess I've got to work hard to get back to where I used to be. No, you've got to just come back to Jesus. And that's where we come in as a church. Because we're first responders. Say, I'm a first responder. We need to know how to respond to the fallen, church. We need to know how to bring them back. We need to know how. In the, in the natural, Paul gives us this great picture here. Now, this is where I want to focus this morning of how we respond to those who have fallen. Look at verse 10. Paul went downstairs. He bent over the boy. And he, embraced, he said to all the people gathered, stop your worrying. He's come back to life. First responder, say first responder. first responder. I'm thankful, Jeannie, that we had first responders there for you. 
on that day in August. Aren't you? How many of you have had uh, somebody had to come and help you out in an, in, in an emergency or a crisis or car wreck or a fall or fainting or something? Come on, raise your hands, lift them up. And you had a first responders come to your house, come to your car, come to your job. Come on, lift them up, hold them up. All across the room. All across the room. Thank you. Aren't you grateful for first responders? Aren't you grateful for people that have been trained? That they knew what to do. They didn't drop you. The, you didn't, the doors of the ambulance didn't open and you didn't fly out the back of the ambulance. <laughs> or they didn't drop you off the gurney. Or they gave you a trach when you didn't need a tracheotomy. Or an enema when you didn't need an enema. <laughs> Thought that would get you awake. Yeah. You know, Paul was the first responder that night. He, he could have sent somebody else. I mean, he's very important. And I say, that's thus saith the Lord. George, aren't you the head deacon? Go check on you. Because I got to preach. See what I'm saying, church? Sometimes we think, I got to do something. And it's not that because I've got, I'm important. I've got a job to do. So somebody else has got to do that. Somebody else has got to clean the toilets. Not me. Somebody else has got to go hug the homeless man. I sure don't want to get my clothes dirty. I don't want to get that smell on me. Somebody's got to go wipe up the vomit for that, that person that just threw up. No, that's, that's got to be somebody else. That can't be me. Paul said, you know what? What happened? Eutychus fell. Whew. I better go check on him. Paul went downstairs. Now, to me, that's a picture of humility. That's a picture of us as the church going, getting down on somebody else's level. You know, somebody's in a wheelchair. I've, I've seen people pray over people in wheelchairs and they're standing up. Over, they don't even know, they don't know what you look like and you need to get down in their face. I've seen deliverances with the people or with the person getting delivered. They're not like, oh, well. Get out of him, devil. Get, get out of him. You don't do that, do you, Betty? You don't, you don't kick him. Not anymore. Not anymore? Oh, they kick back? They kick back. I kicked a tree limb one time to kick back. Threw me backwards like it was like demonic. I know. Yeah. I was kicking a limb, and I kicked it like three, four times. And I thought, I got to kick that really hard. And the last time I kicked it really hard, it kicked me back. Threw me in the back, on my back, and a bunch of limbs that had already broken off this tree. And I lay there, and I thought I was dying. <laughs> After a few minutes, I rolled to the side and had leaves all over me. And I, I walked in the house and I said, honey, I think I've broke my shoulder. I wasn't too dramatic. <laughs> what? what? The tree, you know. But Paul gets down on his level. Some of you, you've got to get off your high horse to minister. I don't care what name you put in front of your title of in your card. The first thing should be a servant. Minister. Not that kind of minister, but that kind of minister. Minister in the love of Christ. Meeting someone at their greatest need, the point of their greatest. And that's what Jesus did for you. 
It's what we're called to do. We, we put our own agenda aside so we can reach out and touch and minister to somebody else. And, and, and see, I see this picture, Jeannie. I'm going to refer to you a lot. I hope it doesn't embarrass you too much. But Wes and Billy had to go down. First responders, they didn't come to the bridge and look over like, here, here's what a lot of people do. <clears throat> what happened? Well, there's a lady that tried to commit suicide. She's down there. Oh, man. What are we going to do about that? Uh, she probably deserves it. <laughs> Can you believe it? She jumped. Man. Well, somebody go help her. <laughs> well, I don't know. She probably didn't deserve help. You know what I'm talking about, church? People that have fallen, not necessarily off a bridge, but they've fallen in their faith. And sometimes we're the first people as a church to go, well, you know what? I told them they shouldn't have done that, and they did it anyway. They deserve what they get. I told them to quit looking at that stuff. I told them to quit drinking that stuff. I told them to quit using that stuff. So I guess they're just going to have to learn the hard way. <laughs> and God says, no. Which one of you without sin cast the first stone? Which, which one is it? Which one of you that, which one was it that... <laughs> Where's your accusers, woman? Ah, Lord, I don't see any. Think about right before Jesus is arrested. Dirty disciples are coming in, and man, they, you know, they're, gonna, they're ready for a meal, and Jesus, he takes a basin and he pours water in it. And I promise you, he couldn't wash their feet. He had to get down. You may be called to get down. Go down the stairs. Humble yourself and love on somebody that needs some love. That has fallen. Next thing we see is that Paul bent over the boy and embraced him. Love this. He embraced him. Sometimes ministry, you know what I put sometimes, most all of the time ministry is messy. And you've got to be willing to get dirty. That doesn't mean you fall into the sin with them, but you embrace them. Like when the prodigal came home, what did the daddy do? He got the coat, the, 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 the robe of, I call it the robe of righteousness, and he covered up his stinky son with it. He kissed him. He said, bring the best shoes we got. Put the ring on his finger. Listen, guys, this is who we're to be as the church bonders. That daddy on that porch that day when he saw his son, he was the first responder. His brother was out in the field. I don't know if he saw him or not, but he didn't respond. The servants didn't respond. The daddy responded. God responded to you at the point of your greatest need. God responded to you. He is our greatest first responder. called compassion my wife will always say one of the greatest things I, I love about Jesus is his compassion he would look at the people he said man they're hungry let's, let's feed them there's a leper most people oh stay away touch him there's a woman she shouldn't have been there 
Yes, you're here, my daughter. There's the blind man. What do you want me to do? I want my sight back. Okay, you got it. He was just willing to do what everybody was asking. They wanted to be free. They wanted to be healed. They wanted to be saved. He's a first responder, but he's called us to be first responders. That word embrace, I think it's an interesting word. I know Pam likes to do word studies. Hold on somebody and hug them. Here's another Greek meaning for it. It means to comprehend at once. Then that didn't sound, doesn't even make sense, does it? I'm going to comprehend at once, somebody. He embraced him. See, what I, what I think is, when, as we're, we're going to do ministry, guys, is if we're going to help the fall and get back up, we have to have comprehension, and that's discernment. That's a discerning spirit. I believe that Paul, I don't think he just decided, I think I'll go check on that guy. I think the Holy Spirit said, Paul, get down there. Paul, get down there. It's not, it's not in Scripture, but I know Paul. And he's, he had a discerning spirit, and he said, get down there because he, he, he's dead, but you're going to make him alive. I think Paul heard that. I'm just adding that because he went down and said, hey, he just, he just fell. His little accident's going to be okay. But it says, the Bible says he fell, D-E-A-D, dead. And Paul says, well, I got to get down there. Hold the sermon. I'll be right back. Peak. <laughs> when we minister to somebody, here's one of the keys. If you're going to minister to the fallen, it's being willing and able to listen to the Holy Spirit. What one person needs, that next person, you're going to have to deal with them in a totally different way. It might be the same issue, it might be the same sin, but one person has to, you have to deal with them this way and another person that way. Right? Because you have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You're going to embrace them. You're going to embrace them, and then you have to comprehend at once what, what is needed in that situation. First responders, you need to hear that this morning. And then Paul spoke. He said, stop your worrying. He's come back to life. If there's one thing that we should be able to bring as believers in this body, in this family of God, is that we should be able to bring hope into any situation. Amen. We should be able to bring hope. If your words, remember, all these sermons seem to tie together that God's given me. Remember when the young girl was, was, uh, had, had died and Jairus had said, come to my house and Jesus comes to the house and he says, everybody that doesn't believe basically say, get out of the room. Get out of the room. We need, we need faith people here. We need people of faith that are going to believe that God could do anything. He brought hope into the room. You see, the parents, they've already been told, walks into the room, he brings hope. And, and if you'll just check your words. Oh, it's so important. The way that we respond and the words that come out of our mouth, church, because we'll see a situation, somebody may come to you, well, my son has done this. Oh, well, I mean, there's just no hope for him. Like, maybe you can get him to rehab. And we start speaking death over situations. Somebody comes in, oh, I got a bad report. Listen, we're going we're gonna to press in and pray right now because God's in control. He's, he's got this. And yet we sometimes, if, we just, if you'll start checking your words, church, you might want to stop saying some of the things that you're saying. Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. And life is hope. We bring hope. We're first responders. Going down that, that day to see Jenny at the bottom and laying on the rocks, groaning and blood coming out and her bones were all mangled. Her back was broken and, and all that mess. They could have said, guys, lost cause. Pack it up. Let's go. 
but they brought hope that day. They said, let's get, let's do what we're supposed to do. We're trained, we're equipped. We're going to get this woman to the hospital and they're going to airlift her to, to Lubbock and they're going to know what they're supposed to do there. And then when they take her from there to this other rehab, they're going to know what to do. Listen, that's who the church should be. We should have people that have positions in the church that know exactly what to do. Do they need deliverance? Well, yeah, you know who to call. Do they need love? Do they, they need, they, do, they need, uh, do they need provision? Yeah, you know who to, who to call. We're listening to the Spirit of God. And, and you know what? I'm going to prophesy over you this morning because of this message that God has given me. You're going to have opportunities this week, this week to be a first responder. The question is, are you going to be ready? Are you going to be ready to bring somebody hope? Are you going to be ready to direct somebody to the right place? Are you the person that they need to hear from? Would y'all, would y'all participate with that this week? Say, I'll be a first responder. I'll be a first responder. I'll be a first responder for Jesus Christ. And it may be a literal physical wreck on the road that you're called to stop at. And render aid, at least render hope and prayer. Wes didn't know what to do. He just, but he didn't know what to do. He knew to pray. Sometimes, well, I'm not skilled at that. Can you pray? Yeah, I can pray. Can you believe? Yes, I can believe. Is God the great physician? Yes, he's the great physician. Then speak that over them. God's got a word for all of us this morning. You, you already know who the fallen person is or persons. And he's calling you to be a first responder. I love it because Paul's sermon was demonstrated that day. 1 Corinthians 2, 4 says, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words or human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. I don't know. He might have been preaching right that moment, like, you know, God can do anything. God can raise the dead. He can raise the dead and thump. <laughs> okay, prove it. Got to go. Here he is. That's fortunate. That's his name, fortunate. Okay. Well, he's dead. No, he, he's just, quit worrying. He's, he's alive. Hey, Eutychus, you're okay. God's got you. Let's get up. Can you do that for somebody that feel like they're hopeless, like Jeannie was hopeless? There may be people in this room this morning, you feel hopeless. You may be contemplating suicide. And you are here for such a time as this today to know that God says, no, I'm going to bring you hope. thought you were dead. I'm going to give you life today. You may encounter a believer that has fallen so deeply back into sin or depression or pain. And you think your words don't matter, but they do. Your concern, yes, it matters. You may be the only one that can reach that person in their darkest place. If you'll just believe that. You might be the only one that God says, it's you. You're the first responder for George or Joe or Jim or 
Carol or whoever, you're the first responder today. You know where they're at. You know how low they have sunk. You know the depression that they're in. You know the pain that they're feeling. I've called you. Just bow your heads. Lord, Holy Spirit, reveal. Reveal in this room. To each person in here, they, that if there's a person that you have for that person, the persons, the people in this room to respond to this week, give them insight, give them revelation, give them power, give them strength, give them compassion to do that. Amen. Galatians 6 1 says, My beloved friends, if you see a believer who is overtaken with a fault, the one who is in the Spirit should seek to restore him. But keep watch over your own heart that you won't be tempted to exalt yourself over them. Humility, compassion, hearing God, responding in love, and bringing healing to those who have fallen. That's the mark of a spiritual first responder. That's a love story. God's given us all the ability to have a love story in this room. Verse 11 says, Paul went back upstairs, served communion. Ate a meal, and then he picked back up where he left off and taught until dawn. <laughs> Next point I want you to see very quickly is God's called us to follow through. If we're going to be a first responder, and I love that because, and I'm not bragging on my son, I'm just saying what happened, because it could have been any of you, Wes and Billy that day going across the bridge. But he said, I, I wanted to find out if I could follow through with her. I, want, I wanted to find out if I could stay in touch and find out what happened. Sometimes we just pray for people, and that's the last we see them or hear them. And I know that happens. I know that happens. But sometimes God will say, follow up, follow up. Don't quit. They need some teaching. They need some guidance. And you're the one I put in their path. And I remember when I, I, I had a surgery in Austin, Texas, and I, and I passed out in, in, the, in the restroom there. And, and, I mean, I hit the tile floor, and I was, I was, in, I was out cold and Mary Liz, she called the ambulance, and you remember that? Of course you remember that. How can I forget? <laughs> and this, this, this team came, and they picked me up, and, and, you know, if you've been in an ambulance ride, usually you don't remember that much because you're out of it. And they took me to the hospital, to the emergency room, and they, they took care of me, and I think it was a couple of hours later that EMT came in to check on me. Oh, that is awesome. So I just want to check on you, Mr. Watkins, see how you're doing. Man, thank you so much. Because they, he was the first responder. Sometimes we need to, God's going to show you how to follow through with some people. Don't just leave them hanging. Get them saved and leave them hanging. Get them baptized and leave them hanging. Get them restored and leave them hanging. They need, a, they need, a, they need somebody to come alongside them. A paracleto or whatever that is. Come alongside like the Holy Spirit does. And then verse 12 says, they were filled with enormous joy. Say enormous joy. They took the boy home alive and everyone was encouraged. Well, I imagine. Can you imagine the, the parents getting the phone call? Hey, Eutychus fell out of the throat. Ah, my boy fell. Ah, and they're running after. They don't even listen to the final report. And then they get there. Where is he? Where? He's right here. He's, he's okay. He's okay. Somebody told me he died. Well, he, you know, he kind of did, but he's, he's okay. Is there anything broken? No, he's all, everything's good. Three stories he felt, and he's okay. Wow. I can imagine there's enormous joy there. Over, abundant joy. That's who God is. 
And everyone was encouraged. See, that's what I believe for this church, body believers. I believe that's why we have these testimonies. God, he's responded. People have responded. and People have been restored. Marriages have been restored. People have been healed. There have been signs and wonders and miracles. Cancer was gone. Things like this have happened. And so people, I, I want to be around that. I want to be a part of that joy. I want to be a part of that. Filled with joy. Overflowing joy. But the greatest joy of all is seeing one sinner repent. That's when heaven rejoices. That's when the angels have a party. We had some prodigals come forward last week. Man, people, there was just so much excitement in here. People are like, man, that's, that's awesome. But we got to be the follow. We, got, we have to do the follow through church. Responders, God has called. So would you stand this morning?